Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Friend of a Friend. It's your host, Olivia Perez, and you're listening to our mini series, Call Your Friends, where I call some of my closest friends around the globe and check in on them in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. I definitely never thought we'd get to week four of this. I am definitely concerned as to what number we'll get to by the time this is over. But I'm really grateful to be bringing you these episodes and hope that they're bringing you as much joy, community, and consolation as they've brought me. My guest this week is Aurora James. She's the founder of Brother Valleys. I have deeply admired Aurora since we met when I was a college student, and I'm a massive fan of her brand and all that she stands for. She got really honest in this episode. We dove deep into what it means to be a small business owner right now, the creative strategizing, problem solving, and sacrifices that she's had to make during this time. I also love that she filled us in on some small wins, from the way that she gets joy from just making her coffee in the morning, to how she's making extra food every day for her neighbor who lives upstairs at the doctor. But there was one thing that really stuck out to me at the end of the episode when we turned the recorder off that Aurora said to me that I would love to share. And that's that she appreciated these episodes a lot because they'll act like an archive for all of us to look back on in a few years from now. We'll be able to see how we felt, what we were doing, where we were, the weird things that we were doing to get through this time, and the challenges that we were facing. So because she said that, here's my weird challenge for all of you this week. Archive this time in some way, whether that's journaling, taking photos, whatever it is. I know that we all probably don't want to remember this time to some extent, but I do love the idea of being able to look back on a time where we were facing so much adversity and be able to be proud of how far we've come and hopefully on the other end of this, which I hope is soon. I hope that you're all feeling positive, optimistic, and good this week. I hope that you're also all staying home, wearing your masks, doing your part to flatten the curve, and taking care of each other. As always, I am sending you all my love and urging you to check in on your friends. Let's start the show. You're about to listen to my interview with Aurora James, the founder of Brother Valleys. She's currently quarantined in Brooklyn. Hi, how are you? You look great. Oh, thank you. So do you. It's funny because through this whole quarantine, it's like everyone's skin is looking amazing. I have said this on a few episodes, but it's I have Hashimoto's disease, which means I have like really bad inflammation and I'm very susceptible to just like the external world. (laughs) And through this process, it also like it makes your hair very thin, very brittle. Uh, My hair is like super thick. My Mm -hmm. skin is extremely clear and I'm like, really rethinking all the outside elements of the world right now. (laughs) Right. And it's like, what are those things? My mom has that as well. And it's like, what are those things that like, maybe you could 
stray from when we go back yeah. to normal life to, you know, keep this glow and this hair. Yeah, you look great. Thanks. So do you. Are you doing a ton of self-care at home? You know what? That's a really good question. I haven't done like a face mask. I haven't done like, like yes and no. I would say I'm doing it in ways that are different than how I would have traditionally defined self-care or or how I would have regularly done it on like a Sunday. You know, like what? Nah. Well, now I feel like it's more about listening better, which really, when you think about it, is a form of self-care because when you're actually connecting with people on a deeper level, that nourishes you just as much as it nourishes the other person. So that, I would say, is my number one biggest thing. And then just like... You can't learn while you're talking. Exactly. I don't know. Cooking for people has been like a big thing for me. There's a doctor that lives upstairs for me. Every day I try to make extra food at night and give it to Ben, which makes me feel like a little bit better. For those just tuning in, I am talking to a dear friend of mine, Aurora James, who's living in New York right now. She's the founder of Better Values, which is one of my favorite companies that I found when I was just a small, young college girl in New York. And she's always been such an incredible, insightful, and empathetic, compassionate friend to have an amazing female founder who I've really looked up to my entire career. So I'm really excited to be talking to you right now. But speaking of baking, if you guys haven't been on her Instagram, please go there because she just did an (laughs) incredible story with Forbes all about baking her banana bread. And I loved it. (laughs) <laughs> that's so sweet. I'm actually making sweet potato brownies right now. I love what you had to say about cooking for other people. I'm sorry that tangent was, seemed so out of nowhere, but I brought it up because she had talked so much in the article about what it meant for her to cook for other people. And it was really inspiring. Oh, thanks. I don't know. I grew up, a lot of us grew up that way, you know, with parents who were cooking for our entire families. And so it's definitely a love language for me. Yeah. I also loved what you had to say about the fact that like you didn't really do it much for yourself but it it was the way that you connected with other people and it felt like a gift that you were giving to your friends. And that Mm -hmm. was, that was really special. And cause I've never really been that person that I've cooked for other people, but I've always been really interested in ways of connectivity with people that go beyond just like speaking to each other. So I thought that was really lovely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think so many women were kind of taught or shown, even if we're not told directly that we're the least important. You know, so it's about taking care of everyone else in the periphery first and then coming to ourselves last. I think for a lot of us right now during this time, we're really learning how to take care of ourselves. Yeah. So where are you right now? Are you quarantined with anybody? I'm in Brooklyn, New York in my apartment and I'm by myself. It's been, I guess, 33 days. Wow. I quarantined a little early. I think also the fashion, you know, industry responded a little bit faster because we had just been in Milan and Paris. So I think that we had a responsibility to quarantine a little bit sooner than most people. And I had actually left both Milan and Paris early for that reason. So I felt like it was best just to stay at home and also close my office. Good for you. And you closed your office quite early. I feel like you were one of the first people to announce that you were closing your office. I I I didn't know anyone else that had closed at that point, but I just felt like it was important. There was no reason to endanger anyone over shopping. It's <laughs> tough. It's like, you know, that it's not, that's yeah. not the frame of mind. And I think a lot of people, it was like, I started getting all these crazy newsletters and it was like sales and all of that jazz. And I was like, oh man, like the last thing that I want to do right now is be a part of that noise. This is just right. like a time of, I needed to be really still. Yeah, I needed to get some distance from the immediate 
panic that I was feeling in order to figure out how to support my business and support my supply chain and also support my customers. And so for me, that meant just trying to find a way to pivot what our product offering was. And it wasn't even like a conscious decision. It just sort of happened or like never in a million years, Olivia, did if you, if you even five weeks ago was like, you're going to be selling mugs on Instagram. I would have been like, who are you talking to? I would have been like, you have the wrong girl. So the idea that like, that's what we're doing right now is wild, but it it makes people happy. It keeps like our artisans in Mexico employed. And like, why would, I mean, I'm so happy to be making something that people can have at home. I also think that there's like such a beautiful side to the story that you just told where it's like, this is something you would have never considered otherwise. It's going to be such a beautiful addition to your company. We'll get into all the work stuff, but I always like to, you know, check in first and ask how you're feeling on this day because every day is different. That's so true. Every day is completely different. Today I'm feeling good. So I do this thing with my friends sometimes and we haven't done it together yet, but now we're going to start starting today where I just literally give the day a score of one to 10, five being like middle of the road. And I'm someone who actually lives actively at like an eight, nine. I can attest to that. (laughs) Yeah. Like I'm literally really happy. So if I throw out a six, everyone's like, whoa. Right. You know, we know something's up. Yeah. And Monday was like a solid five for me. And we're now at Friday and I feel like I'm back to like a seven, but it's still uncomfortable when you're used to living life at an eight. Yes. But I appreciate the sense of optimism there. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, if I didn't have optimism in my life right now, I like wouldn't be able to be here. And, you know, what's great about the number system is you can just throw it out with each other every day and you'll know, you know, how much that person might need you today. And sometimes needing just means taking space or calling or FaceTiming or sending, you know, any, any number of things. But today I'm good. What about you? What number would you say you're at? Ooh, I am having, I feel like I'm having a somewhat lucky day. Like I'm, I would say maybe at a seven, like I'm good today, which is definitely not something that I would say I normally or consistently have been at, but I'm really happy that I feel good today. Yeah. There's like gratitude in that, right? When those days that you're just feeling like, you're like, okay, how can I lean into that? So structures brought me a lot of and I'm, when I say structure, I mean structure like I am 10 years old writing schedules for myself on the weekends. <laughs> but it has brought me a lot of sanity mm. and clarity, even if it's structure in the smallest things, like adding to my calendar workout or like 30 minutes of journaling and 30 minutes of reading or literally scheduling a meeting with myself to get something done for work. Yeah. Is there anything that you're doing to help you build structure during a time that like literally feels endless well, and not having a place to go. I have to say that now that I have this and the whole selling mugs things aside, like I make my coffee every morning when I wake up, I'm a coffee shop goer. Like that is my thing. Every morning I go to the same coffee shop. I see the same people. Like I love that. That's part of my routine. That's so important to me. So when I knew that I wasn't going to be able to go to my coffee shop anymore, I needed to like get all of my at home coffee stuff. And every morning I make my coffee and that transition where you put the cream in the coffee and the colors just change. Oh, I love that. Like 
Also, if you're not following her on Instagram, she showcases this every morning on Instagram. And I can attest to there is something weirdly therapeutic about watching you do this every morning. I think it's like the color of your mug and like the mixing colors. Right. I, know, I sound no, so crazy, but, but people are very really into it. So now, and there's like thousands of people that write me like how important this ritual is. And like, that's part of what they look forward to every morning is like me doing this. color. So now I also feel like <laughs> so crazy, but now I feel like a responsibility and like, community sense that I'm like, okay, God, like I'm getting up not only for myself, but for these people to give them that sense of normal. But are there any like resources right now, whether that's like a class you're mm-hmm. taking or even just speaking to a friend or something like that, that has helped you get through this mm-hmm. time? I do like a guided meditation every day at noon on Instagram with the Hoffman process. That's what their thing is. And I really love it. Yeah. I like a lot of people have been doing that. Mm-hmm. I really love it. So that's important to me. And I went to Hoffman at the beginning of this year. So it's just great to also be able to like reconnect with the community like that. I've been writing letters. You know, I love a letter. I love writing in general. So I've been writing letters and sending that in the mail. There's been a lot of mail happening <laughs> and also growing things. You know, I love plants. Like what? Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> spaghetti squash is the last thing that I planted, which I'm really excited about. In your backyard? About. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to get an avocado pit to root. You can do that? Mm-hmm. Just like the pit of an avocado and plant it and it will grow? Yeah. I'm sorry. I have no knowledge of gardening. I probably <laughs> no, sound so No, no, right no. Now. You don't have them. Like no one knows that. So you can take the avocado pit and you basically submerge the bottom part of it in water for like two, three weeks. And then it eventually okay. like it will get we'll grow to, roots. Yes. And then you can plant it and it'll eventually grow a tree. I think also that's like a really beautiful, like symbolic indicator of like the time that's about to pass. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And we have 40 other women that are doing it alongside us. <laughs> Brother Valley. Wow. Yeah. And so, and same with the squash. That's amazing. Yeah. I am really curious to hear a little bit more about what's going on with Brother Valley's. And I love that even like that little bit of how you're creating community in a time that's like, your store to me, walking into your store, like I feel Aurora, like I know the brand, you know what I mean? So for a brand that's so, um, there is such like a physical essence to the brand. I wonder kind of what it's been like moving it digital. Yeah. Well, I think that it's a good question. And I think that if anything, it sort of goes back to what you just said, which is I realized that there is so much of myself in the brand, which I didn't really realize. And So, you know, it's been really tough to have it go through so many changes and to do things that I really wasn't planning on doing. You know, it's weird. It's like doing the community stuff has been great. Like I love gardening and like, it's so amazing to me that all these women are like gardening alongside us and I'm going to like collect as much of it as I can. We're going to ship a lot of the seedlings and stuff back in the mail and I'm doing like a big planting project with the Whitney Museum in July, which is exciting. That's amazing. Yeah, it'll be good. So What's the project? Can you share it? Kind of. But like I'm doing a lot of, I'm going to be doing a lot of planting basically. I'm going to be doing a lot of planting and like people are going to be able to get involved. It also involves like some of the artisans that we've been working with in Mexico, which is really exciting. I created Brother Valley's A as a means to support artisans around the world because we mainly produce things across Africa and with indigenous communities, Mexico, wherever else. Two, because I wanted products that made women feel really great, you know, and I know that sounds cliche, but I just felt like there weren't a lot of products that were making me feel great when I started out. And so that was 
part of it. So now I feel like as a creative person, I still have the same tasks. You know, how do you make women feel great? And how do you utilize an artisan community? And what I know now in this moment is that there's other things that we need to make us feel great. And it might not be shoes in this moment because we're at home. And it might not even be a product. Maybe it's a poem. Maybe it's a communication. Maybe it's someone just responding to you in a DM because you're saying that you're having a bad day. So I think for me, it's just been really trying to find different ways to show up for my community because I want everyone to be healthy and I want everyone to be happy so that we can go back you know, to the way that we like to be. And that might change for sure. But I just want us to be whole. I would love to like dive deep a little bit into what you were saying about supporting the communities around the world that you work with, because that's always been my, besides the amazing design and besides you, besides you, that's always been my favorite part about Brother Valleys is one, you're always bringing in new communities and helping sustain them. And it's been amazing to learn about them through your lens. But I wonder now with a business that's so relied on that important export of one, your soul and like who you guys are and that that trade there, but then also like the physical objects, what is going into that today where that's probably really challenging? Yeah, it's really tough. And every single country that we work with is sort of dealing with it differently and every day it changes. Obviously, Italy was hit incredibly hard really out of the gate. So our workshop that's there just like had to, obvious, for obvious reasons, take a time out. And it's literally like South Africa was fine for a long time, but now they're closed. I think everyone's just a little bit worried because it's, you know, even with Mexico and the woman that was making mugs, like she went to drop those off the other day, but they had closed the road. So she couldn't like deliver them. And it's sort of like tough because people want to work and you also have to get a gauge of whether it's safe for them to work. And find a happy median point too between like people feeling like, well, if I don't work, I'm not going to be able to support my family at all. And then we're not going to have any food versus like, you know, getting sick. So, you know, that dance is really tough. And I think whenever it's possible for us to try to support them financially, you know, I've been trying to do that. And I think even like with my staff, you know, I committed really early on to not laying anyone off or not furloughing anyone, which sounded like a obvious choice in the very beginning. And then two weeks into it, I was like, wow, like this is going to last a really long time maybe. And like, this is a lot of money. How do I do this? And it really put me back in survival mode, you know, which I worked a long time to not have to feel. And that was really jarring. But I'm happy that we're sort of through that. And it was tough, you know, Olivia, like a lot of my friends who are designers who spent their entire lives like working on their businesses and and people think that they're like, you know, really wealthy or whatever. It's like, that's not the case. These people were hit and it's not, you know, you see some of these designers and you're like, oh, like they're probably okay. Like da 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 da. But it's not even always themselves that they're worried about so much. It's like the hundreds of people that work for them. Mm-hmm. And you can have a small office. Like my office is small, but all of the people in all of the workshops that we work with all over the world ends up being thousands of people that are involved in making Brother Valley's a thing. So people can look at me and be like, she's good or whatever, but they're not really thinking about like how that affects Eunice in Kenya. Right. How have you navigated that situation 
especially for brand owners that might be tuning in right now, is there any like piece of advice that you've learned in the past couple of weeks that maybe you could offer to share? Well, I think initially the first thing that's important is like putting a name to the pain. And for me, the um, name was shame. Like I just felt shame that I wasn't going to be able to support everyone in the way that we needed, you know, like even for me, like, and this is super personal, but like I emptied out my personal savings just to like keep us, you know, going to make sure that like my girls were okay because I was willing to bet on myself in, in that way, you know, and I didn't want to like, I didn't, I didn't, on top of everything that we're going through right now, the last thing that I wanted to do to the people that work for me is to give them the uncertainty of unemployment. And I would say for me, the thing that's been the most important is just like taking stock of where we are at and pivoting. Okay. What are the things that, so like I was working on a puzzle project for a long time, right? Which like wasn't supposed to come out until September. So now I'm like, okay, is there a world in where we can get these puzzles out way faster? Because like that's something that people could need and use right now. And like when I run the numbers on it, I'm like, okay, that can like pay all of these people. Like it's literally just about like giving money to people so that they can pay their rent. Because the government, like everyone's like, oh, stimulus, da, 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 da. like Olivia, I don't qualify for any of that. My business doesn't qualify for any of that. Like my option for my girls, my accountant told me the only thing that I could do would be to lay them off so that they could collect unemployment. Everyone is going through something that like we do not know in this situation and everyone's having a hard time. And I really appreciate you for sharing that. Yeah, I mean, if it's going to help someone else feel like less alone, you know? Yeah, and I think, you know, what's been great for me too is like just seeing how you know, everyone is managing it differently. And also just realizing right. when I started Brother Valley, the word sustainability was not like, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a word. People weren't using that word. And right when it started emerging, people were like, oh, do you fit this category? I was like, yeah, I guess so. You know, and now I feel like in this moment, it's given us a whole other lens of how we are defining that word. Because it's like, is your yeah. business sustainable? Are the jobs that you're creating sustainable through anything how are you going to show up for the people that work for you for your community you know sustainability is really also adaptability and it's more than just like doing a gigantic capital raise and then using like recycled fibers you know to like launch a shirt (laughs) like I think we really have to be thoughtful about these words that we're using and how we talk about business moving forward I, one of my favorite things on your channel is obviously watching you travel and support these communities around the world and the stories that you tell that just feel so authentic to who they are. And it feels like it's coming from their mouth. It feels so on the ground and real and almost a form of photojournalism to me. I get so excited whenever you're traveling. But with that being said, because you can't travel right now, and I know a lot of your creativity and inspiration comes from your travel um, how are you staying creative at home? Mm, good question. I have been really focusing on like creative acts that do not need to be commodified, you know? So I'm so used to like, I'm having a totally. creative moment and now this has to be put in a commercial setting. So now yes. I'm like, 
underline, underline, exclamation yeah, point. Yeah. So now I'm like, how can I be creative in ways that like, it just is solely for me, you know? And how can I try also to do certain things that like, I'm not historically good at. So I've been watercolor painting. I'm horrible, but it's fine because it's just a different type of expression. I have a question. <laughs> As a amateur baker, not good at it at all. Haven't baked one thing okay. this whole time because I'm just I'm nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you think everybody's baking banana bread right now? <laughs> That's a really great question. I don't. I just want to know. I don't know. Maybe because bananas. There's so many bananas. They're like the thing at the grocery store that's still readily available. But here's what's funny. My first week of quarantine, first week and a half, I couldn't. I couldn't source a banana really? for a week and a half. Like there was a banana drought. I asked the guy at Whole Foods too. And he was like, you know, like our imports are all backed up right now. And I was just like, this is where we're at. <laughs> and then all of a sudden the next week, everyone and their mother and their dog was making banana bread. And I'm like, that's where all the bananas went. I think it's a really hard thing to mess up. <laughs> totally fair point. I think it's a really hard thing to mess up. I think there's some great recipes for it. And also like you can put chocolate chips in it. I have loved seeing the diversity of people and like what they're doing with your banana bread. I've seen blueberries. I've seen yeah. chocolates. I've seen like. It's great. Right? Are you reading anything that we should be diving into right now? Oh my gosh. I'm actually listening to an audio book called Thick, which was recommended to me by a friend who's an avid reader. And it's really, it's really good. I don't, I'm trying to remember the woman's name who wrote it, but it's a collection of short essays about her experience as like a female writer. And it's been really, yeah, it's been really interesting. What are you giving back to most right now? What are you thinking about? What are you worrying about when it comes to ways? Obviously you have Brother Valleys and that, but on a community level, is there something that you are um, focused on and maybe encouraging people to take a look at? I was talking to a friend last night who was talking about how it's almost the end of the school year, but not the end of the school year. And he is from... Just blew my mind. <laughs> yeah, he is from Bessemer, Alabama. And he was talking about how all these kids had to go home, right? And they were going to do online learning for the rest of the year. And so the kids got home and parents started calling and were like, well, we, don't, we actually don't have a computer. And so they managed to work out a deal with the school where the parents would be able to borrow the computers for the summer and the rest of the semester and then bring them back in September. So that was great. And then they got the computers home and the the same parents and even some more parents actually were like, we don't have access to the internet. You know, we don't have internet service anymore. So a bunch of people called the internet service providers and the internet service providers offered to give these children's families free internet access, which is great and amazing and so important right now. I think for me, the question is, in communities like that, why haven't they already been doing that? And when we think about communities that are the hardest hit and tend to end up in a cycle of poverty, it's like, how can we extend ourselves in ways that won't even hurt us, that will help our greater country and community and people? And that story was such a no-brainer for me. And so what I'm focused on is how can we pinpoint those specific things 
and really try to inspire these companies to continue this empathy and this giving beyond this period of time. I love that. And I, to be honest, I'm surprised that that's not something that I've seen in a media cycle once. I think it's really tough because it's like, okay, how are people, you're telling everyone to stay home, but how are people even supposed to know what's going on if they don't have cable and the internet? They don't even know if it's right. over. They don't know how serious it is. They don't know if they're like, they don't know anything. So I think that at this point, when we talk about, you know, what the federal government's doing, it needs to be addressing some issues like that too. And even like, you know, for small business owners, it's like black women are the largest growing small business category in America. And, you know, unfortunately, we're also the most under-resourced. And when you look at these grants and loans, it's like when they first rolled it out, like, independent contractors could be included and then they couldn't be included. And all of these changes were made. I don't qualify for anything. Right, exactly. And it's like all of these changes kept being made. And so the internet is completely unnavigatable because it's like there, you don't know like what's true and what's not true. So unless you have a personal accountant or a money manager or, or an insane ability to comprehend and pour over these government documents, you're, you can potentially spend countless hours applying for things that you're not even eligible for. And that's exactly what's going to happen. And all of the people who have the most resourced businesses are the ones that are going to be first in line and getting the biggest check. I think it's really showed so many issues that we have in our system. And I am weirdly excited is the wrong word, but um excited to see where we land at the end of this and what will change, what won't change, what we'll be angry about. And I'm curious to see how I'll change at the end of this too. Yeah. I've been thinking about that a lot and I've actually been asking everybody that. So I'll ask you the same thing is all this like quiet time at home probably allows you to be very introspective and think about Mm -hmm. the way you navigate life. Is there anything that you have noticed, whether it's you or just the way that like your routine is in everyday life that you want to change? Hmm. I want to know the first and last names of most of the people on my block. You know, I feel like I'm pretty community based, but it's like, you know, you walk by some of the same people every single day for years and maybe don't know their names. And now it's like at seven o'clock, we're all like, you know, clapping out of our windows or sitting on our stoop clapping. And it's like, you know, I just want to know, even though we have like a wall between us, like I want to, I want to know them. We underestimate the power of our own communities, I think, and the importance of them in our own lives. I think we're like, we are given the world literally on our phone that we sometimes forget about our yeah, and the people think, right next to us. Absolutely. And sometimes we focus so much on like our chosen communities and we don't realize that like we right. are in other communities by default and it's our responsibility to also bring good things into those communities too. Speaking of communities, obviously the show is all about checking in on your friends and calling them and making sure they're okay. Has there been a valuable way that someone has checked in on you that Ooh, felt unexpected? Great question. I've seen a couple of my friends really randomly go on my website and buy things that I know they don't need. And I know that they are just doing it 
to support. And that like has touched my heart in like a way that, you know, I would have, yeah. What's the first thing that you are doing once quarantine is over? My hair. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. You look great. Don't know what you're talking about. It's really funny because I like braided and then like put these locks in my hair for my Elaine, my friend Elaine's bachelorette party. And I was (laughs) Shout out Elaine. Shout out Elaine. Yeah. I love you. And I was Congrats. like, oh, it's going to be so fun. You know, we're going to be, we're like on vacation. Da, da, da. And I was planning on taking out four days later. Never did I think that I would end up having like faux locks in my hair for like weeks and months. We are all just making it work to some extent right now. Yeah, to some extent. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Friend of a Friend. Before you go, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at tiermedia.com. And for more behind the scenes of the show, visit us at friendofafriend.us and follow me at Liz Perez on Instagram. Don't forget the two Vs. See you next week.